Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for your presence this morning. We thank you, Lord, for this time that we have have set aside to quiet our hearts, open our minds, allow for the Spirit to speak to you and to us as a group as well, too. We thank you, Lord, for your presence this morning. We pray for the words imparted to be not my words but yours, that you will be glorified, that there will be greater wisdom and understanding shared with us in the hopes that we can continue to grow personally and be able to disciple others. That is what is most important for us as we carry out the Great Commission. We give you praise and thanks for all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And that is what it's all about. It's about the Great Commission. It's about being able to communicate the gospel to people that you come in contact with at the moment's notice when the Spirit compels you to speak. That's what's most important. Now we're going to pick up uh, on page two of our lesson. We have a four-page lesson. We're on the back side of page two. And we kind of left off in the middle of of page two where we were speaking specifically about conceptualizing, first of all, the resurrection, which was an understanding that the Disciples who were walking to Emmaus were trying to figure out what was going on with this talk about Jesus and his dying and all the mysteries involved with that. And ultimately what it comes down to is that even as we are learning about Jesus Christ, we may think we have all the information. We really don't have all the information. We only have information provided to us with what scripture says, but... You have to understand that Scripture gives you just what you need for the basic understanding of who Jesus Christ is. It's a basic understanding of who Jesus Christ is. He has promised that he is going to return. He is going to be the resurrection. He is the resurrection and the life. But sometimes the best experience is through a personal experience. And you sometimes learn things through your own personal experience experiences with Jesus Christ. Words can be spoken, but sometimes you have to get right down and dirty with the Lord in certain situations in your life. Amen? There are things that we have to see as evidence in order to truly learn what we've been taught. And sometimes those lessons are difficult. Sometimes they're terrifying. Sometimes they will rock your world. Sometimes they will be exhilarating. And we need to understand that everybody learns and experiences the Lord in different ways. No two people are alike. Well, how can I say that? It's because no two people are alike. We're all different. You have a brother and sister. They're still two different people. If they come from the same family, they're still two different people. One will see something one way, another thing will, person will see things another way. We all learn at different levels and different experiences. Now, this has nothing to do with being bright or IQ. This has to do with how God made you and created you to be the person that you are and how you have taken in certain stimuli 
based upon where you were brought up, where you came from, your family, what their experiences are. We all have different experiences. So it stands to reason, just based upon knowing that no two of us are alike, we are all going to have our own experiences with Jesus Christ. And some of them are still yet to be played out. You're still learning about Jesus. One of the things that we learn as we get older, and Lynn and I just talked about this the other day, we're in this phase of life now where we wind up being the caregivers for our parents. And that's something that is part of the cycle of life. When you were growing up, they were taking care of you. Now they're at the point where they require, and I say require, you to look after them. Because ultimately that's what it's going to come down to, to make sure that they are being cared for in the best possible way. That's something that is bound to happen for everyone in this room. If, if you've had that type of experience, a relative, it may not be your parents, it might be a relative, it might be someone else, but you've seen these things happen. This is part of the cycle of life that we're in. We're learning as we go. We're experiencing things as we go. We're experiencing behaviors that are given to us as we go. There's no manuals for this stuff. You have to learn as you go. We're learning about Jesus Christ as we go. We have the basic information that Scripture gives us, but information is only as good as how you process it. How you take it in, how you relate to it. Answer this question for me. Why is it everyone has heard in churches, what the gospel of Jesus Christ is. When I say everyone, most people have. Well, then why is it that there are very few people who are really interested or serious about learning about Christ? Why are they not as excited about learning about Jesus Christ? It's because they have a different impact or a lack of that as they go. You had a comment. Uh, the old saying, my way, they don't want to give up. Yeah. Everything. They don't want to, they just want to live. And I heard this a long time ago about just live, love, party, and mm-hmm. die young. Live fast and die young like Jimmy Dean, James Dean. They want control. They don't want to let it go. Control. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
You heard the word. Yep. Good riddance on how you learn how to apply it or mm -hmm. express on inputting it into your life. Right. What that looks like. Sure. Good luck. Gotcha. That's a great answer, by the way. That's about 75% of everybody who goes to church. Yep. And the rest was just hollering and running. Yeah. That's very true, too. That's why so many people are so poor when it comes to knowledge. Because just reading two passages is not going to encourage somebody to crack open a Bible and read. Unless you just keep emphasizing that. I know you had your hand up, and I'll oh, come back to you. I, I was just going to say it. Knowing Jesus Christ is about a relationship, right? Which takes time. Correct. We don't have time to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ. <laughs> right. So when they see the church as a whole, mm -hmm. they don't really want. I guess I'm saying we're not setting a good example, maybe. Okay. Okay. And people ate drunk and people carried guns. Suddenly everybody went to church. Mm -hmm. Everybody. And whether they heard the word or not, everybody was in church. Mm -hmm. Sunday afternoon, everybody was about that out there drunk. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but everybody was in church. Okay. Right. The relationship requires you to change. But I like Francis Chan. Yes. He made a comment because he said those who really follow Christ, they're radical. Okay. And when you look at their life, if you're genuinely following Christ and walking by the yep. Spirit, and do, your life looks radical over the top. Right. Versus those who just want to be comfortable yep. and not do anything. I think your comments this morning are reflecting exactly what I'm getting at. There has to be a connection, relationship-wise, over time, where you're learning more about Christ. Just because you read the Bible from cover to cover doesn't mean that you have a good, viable relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm, in my third time going through the Bible, reading passage by passage, but I realize that I still have a lot to learn, I'm still learning more, I know that the Spirit is still trying to speak to me about things about Jesus Christ and making me sensitive to Him when it comes to speaking to other people about things that are important. I'm still learning those things. I'm still gathering information. The Word is the Word that has never changed. But how you process that Word has to change. For the better for you. Um, I belong to a religion.
set speech from the pulpit, and uh, you never broke a Bible. It was planned for the mm-hmm. whole year. They didn't and just tell you what it is today. Mm-hmm. Right. And then also make you stand up and pledge covenant mm-hmm. to the to whatever. Right. And uh, my group is the Catholic Church. They okay. don't make you break the Bible. No. And and you're supposed to look at these guys like they're gods. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, yep. they're gods like that. Or the Statue of Mary and all these saints that pray to them. Mm-hmm. And I've been at funerals of Catholics and I tell you to pray to the person who died. Mm-hmm. A lot of people do stuff out of habit, though. You have to understand, if, if, you go, if you've been to any Catholic Mass, they're almost 100% the same. Except for a few minutes where the priest will speak for about 10 minutes. You don't have to open a Bible. You don't have to take a Bible. You don't have to bring a Bible. You don't have to open anything that they have there. That's the Mass. And the Mass is usually a one-hour one Usually from start to finish, it's almost timed to the exact minute. You had a quick comment. It's, it's tradition. It's tradition, exactly. People That's largely follow tradition without even knowing what it's all about. But yeah. They steal it from insurance policy. If I do this, I do this, I do this, I check it off, be good. And they go on with their lives. Yeah. And they don't understand why they don't have a relationship, but they have one inside the building. Yeah. We did research on this earlier. Just like what Larry was talking about, it's a tradition to go to church on Sunday because that's what everybody did. No matter how tore up you were or whatever was going on, you still would show up in church. It's just a tradition. That is why our church is dying. We're traditioning ourselves out. It's dying. The church is dying. You have to understand that the church, when it's not our church, I'm talking about churches in general. Is that why, is that why you looked at me funny when I said Right. We have an idea of what the word says. Yeah. You can believe something in the sense that you can take it in your mind, mm-hmm. but are you actually walking it out? Right. And you don't until you walk it out, mm-hmm. you don't see the effect. And I'm around Christian people all the time, and it amazes me that we're going to church. They've been found teaching churches a lot, mm-hmm. and when you listen to them talk about how they walk through life, you can see there's a lack, there's a disconnect between what we read. That's the word, disconnect, and the disconnect is in a lack of faith, a lack of faith, and a lack of understanding and application and all the things that we're talking about here. So I'm not, I'm not making light of this at all by moving forward. I'm just making you think about this as we talk about these disciples, how they were given information, how they're being provided information, and yet they still didn't connect. You had a...
It's easy to be a Christian on the crest. It's easy to be a Christian, you know, when you're halfway up that hill. But when you're down in that valley, yep. and you've been to the mountaintop, it's kind of hard to figure out how do I get here. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was here. Now I'm down mm-hmm. here. But I'm a Christian. And sometimes we fail to understand that, you know, we're going to have some valleys. And the valleys ain't always about you. About somebody looking at you while you're in the valley. It's about you figuring out who you are in the valley. It's kind of like, you know, the, the, uh, for lack of a better way of saying it, it's some Job moments. Job was, was I mean, he was, he, was, he was riding away. He didn't find out anything about what Job was about until he did the valley. So I, I'm just, you can clean that up the best that you can. No, well. The bottom line to all of this is, a lot of us do believe in Jesus Christ, but we still have an issue with our faith. Yeah. There's a lot of confusion. The reason why the churches are falling apart. I'm going to, I'm going to have to move on a little bit. There, there's a lot of confusion. You have to understand that Satan distracts. There's confusion. There's a lot of people who get their politics infused too much with their spiritual aspect of life. That causes confusion. That causes misdirection. That causes you to lose focus on what's really important. You have to understand that there's a lot of confusion out there now that Satan has brought about and continues to bring about. And that's what's causing dissension in churches, churches to split. Um, the, when we talk about politics, the LGBT movement has now taken on new heights where a lot of churches are divided and splitting because of the very aspect of that being infused in some doctrines in churches. Well, that's not good. Even if you're a staunch believer and follower of Christ, you're being now upset to the point where you have to decide, what am I going to do? I've got to find a new church. I've got to find a new place. It's not a given that you can find a new church or a new place. And the challenge with that, though, is that are you really learning and studying and growing in your relationship? There's a lot of stuff being pushed around that's causing churches to fall apart yeah and i don't even know i don't even know what the membership is at places like joel osteen's church you know is it is he still bringing in the numbers that he used to you know or some of the larger mega churches are they still bringing in the numbers a lot of mega churches have fallen apart but understand something sometimes those mega churches have fallen apart because they the people who are in charge were not being faithful And it causes a lot of people to stumble. There's a lot of misdirection. So let's go back and look at this a little bit more now about what is your expectation of God's presence? What is your expectation of God's presence? Is God only around when things are good? And is God missing when things are bad? I'm glad you said no. Because that's correct. 
No matter how things are going, God is still always present in our lives. God allows things to happen in our lives, frankly, to teach us. We don't like dealing with that, but sometimes he's teaching us. Sometimes the experiences have nothing to do with what we've done personally, but he is still teaching us. And just like Ed said, sometimes it's for other family members to see you come through those situations with nothing but grace. What a great lesson that is. Because what you're doing is demonstrating the most important key word in all of this growth is faith. Faith, faith, and faith. We had a conversation last week about if you were to draw near while a friend and you were talking, what would he be likely to hear? And we had the bullet points up above about what could be heard. We came to the conclusion that all of those things are not terrible, but there should be a preponderance of communication that you as a believer is sharing that leads people to recognize the presence of Jesus Christ in your life, period. Yeah, even if you're talking about Rocky and Bullwinkle. There still should be a preponderance of information. You know, if you're just goofing around and talking with somebody, you're making friends with people. You're discipling people. You're having conversations with people. You should be able to lead a person back to Jesus Christ. You need to understand that. That should be how your conversations are sprinkled. And I would hopefully, out of ten conversations... One of them is going to be spiritual. Because that's what needs to happen. Understand something, too. This, I, I meant to mention this earlier, too. A lot of people are just flat out ignorant about Scripture. You're the ones who have to give the instruction through the power of the Spirit. And that's because they've been in churches for all these years and haven't learned a daggone thing. And that's really what it comes down to. So when it comes to application, what are you applying if you don't know anything? What are you, what are you applying? Where is the application? Where is the understanding? How is the Spirit going to speak to a person who is ignorant of Scripture? It's going to be a challenge, isn't it? Now, there ain't nothing that God can't do. But I got to tell you something. He challenges you to do what? Learn the Word. Learn the Word and gain understanding by asking the Spirit to give understanding. Speak up a little bit. You're... You have to be all in. All in is really what we have to be. Do you expect God in your life to be present? When he says, when we say Emmanuel, God is with us, do you really believe that? Whenever you think about sinning, 
you should be thinking maybe I shouldn't do that. And I'm dead serious. Because you know that God is with you. When Jesus, go, go real quick to Luke 24. Let's pick up where we left off. Remember the two gentlemen who are walking on the road to Emmaus. Jesus Christ approached them. They did not recognize him. Of course, that was on purpose because this was a teaching exercise. Jesus had a way of being that clandestine, what do they call that, stealth. <laughs> he could be a stealth person. He could make himself unrecognizable. And that was one of the talents that he had when he was uh, after the resurrection. He was able to come and go, appear in a room without going through a door, all kinds of good stuff. Well, here's an example of this. So the disciples didn't expect Christ, that's for sure, but the stranger began to admonish them with his teaching. Verse, 24, verse 25 in Luke 24. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. This is something that we need to pay attention to as individuals. Do you believe what you read in Scripture and do you embrace it? Because that's what this is about. For us, lifelong... Well, I'm not a lifelong believer. I didn't become a believer until I was 26 years old. But for some of us who have been believers for much of our lives, are you living this verse 25 out? Do you believe this stuff? There has to be a progression. Someone in the body of Christ has to grow. Someone. Whether it's a remnant, because I suspect it's a remnant... Because that's mentioned all the time in the Old Testament. There's a remnant of people who are going to be the ones to provide this leadership in the church. And you know what a remnant is. A remnant is what? Either a cast off. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, well, a remnant, you know, for those of you who buy carpeting. Or buy, it's left over. Or if you buy fabric. You can go and buy rolls of fabric bundled up at Joanne Fabric sitting off to the side. And pay, what, $5 and something for a bunch of fabric? Because those are all leftovers. They're reduced. Well, isn't that us, though? Let's think about this for a moment. When we speak about a remnant, we've been cast aside. A lot of people don't like us. There are folks in the body of Christ that don't even like us because we're talking about truth and they want to talk about foolishness. So what's the difference? We're remnants. The ones who are remaining faithful, and it's very few people. It's very few people. How many churches are teaching Sunday school right now? There's a ton of churches out there. How many of them have Sunday school? Not too many. Not too many. Yeah, well, that's because it's easy to prepare. You know, you just read a, read a little rote lesson that somebody prepared for you. I got that. But at least, at least, they're having a little class. There's just no teaching going on. If you're not teaching, you can't show someone how to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's hard to do from the pulpit every Sunday. People have to learn. Trust. Yep. 
Yep. That's true. That's right. It's all about your credibility, isn't it? Your credibility, not because you want to look good, but you want to make Jesus Christ look good. That's the credibility, because you have to stay humble. There's a shirt that I was wearing that somebody caught on the internet. The whole shirt says, pray hard, play hard, stay humble. You still have to remain humble in your approach. It's not about you. A lot of mega churches got caught up in honoring the people who are in charge rather than honoring Jesus Christ. And that's where you're going to have problems. Because you're relying on a person rather than on Christ to be the teacher. Let's go back. Verse 26. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted them in all the scriptures of things concerning himself. Now understand something. Every book in the Bible, all 66 of them, point to Jesus Christ. Every one of them. Without exception. Either in his character or in his movements or in the things that he has done and shown, the miracles, all those things are pointed to through all 66 books in the Bible. All he's doing is reminding the, pro- the, the people who he's speaking to of all the things that were speaking about him. What is the difference between what we're reading here and us? What is the difference? What is being done here? He's demonstrating to you and speaking to you about, Oh, you of little faith, why have you doubted? Why are you not going back and looking at what you've been taught? Why are you not going back and looking at what you've learned? Why are you not connecting the dots? This is a connect the dot passage. That's what's going on here. Now, he's doing it in a loving way. He is rebuking them, no question. But that's a challenge to us. Oh, you of little faith, why are you doubting? What did he do on the water? Speaking to Peter, why are you doubting? Why was he saying, why are you doubting all the time? Because he knows how we are. He knows our nature. Yeah. That's true. I think it's natural for us to doubt when we have those obstacles that come our way that we can't figure them out in our humanity. That's why we have to come out of our humanity and rely upon the Spirit. That's the only way we overcome that. As long as you stay in your humanity, you're going to doubt. As long as you stay in your human, fleshly nature, you're going to doubt. He's challenging you to go further. Plain and simple. Go further than that. Have faith. Trust that what he's telling you is true and believe it. And live it. That's what he wants you to see here. That's why I said down below, it was rough that he rebuked them for their unbelief, but all of us have been there. He calls them foolish, that's the NIV word, using the Greek adjective anotos, 
which is a compound word formed from two words meaning without, not, and understanding, perception. In other words, you're not perceiving. You're not picking up on it. Jesus wasn't hurling insults. He was simply acknowledging that his disciples should know these things about him. He continues by starting with Moses and teaching them all that pertains to himself as a Messiah. Can you imagine? You're sitting there before Jesus Christ and he's teaching you all about things from Moses, back at Moses, all the way forward. What an amazing conversation that had to be. We have the advantage of having Scripture right before us and many of us don't pick it up and read it. Because we haven't made the proper connection of the importance that it is God speaking to us. He speaks to us through his word. How the disciples, how did the disciples later describe their reaction to this amazing encounter in verse 32? Go down to verse 32, Luke 24. And by the way, at verse 31, and their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. There he goes, poof! He, he did this stuff. But notice how he didn't reveal himself until after he communicated all the information about Moses and the prophets. That's deliberate. Rather than have them focus on who he was, he wanted them to focus on the words being spoken, the words being communicated about who Jesus Christ is. Guess what? That's exactly how you have learned about Christ. You acknowledge Jesus Christ as your personal Savior from words spoken and the Spirit touching you. Personal encounter? Eh, maybe. But you had to have enough faith to believe it. Amen? You're not going to acknowledge Jesus Christ as personal Savior unless you have faith. That what you're getting is true. Now these guys are in the same boat. They recognized exactly who he was when he revealed himself. And in verse 32, they said to each other, Did our hearts not burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? They didn't know who Jesus Christ was at that time. But the words burned in their hearts. And that, ultimately, frankly, is what has to happen for us to have that relationship with Him. The Word has to burn from the inside, in our hearts. Our hearts have to be impacted because that's how we get humble enough to say, I need you, Lord! That's what has to happen. I need you. I know I need you. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, I need you. Your hearts had to burn enough to say, I need you, Lord. Notice, once again, they are speaking specifically about how it's the words, it's God's word that is convicting them to recognize the presence of Christ. It's not so much that they, they, and he was right there, by the way, but they didn't know it. 
It's the word that helps us transcend from this place where we don't have any faith at all to now we're getting a little bit more faith, a little bit more faith, a little bit more understanding. The Spirit is teaching you moment by moment by moment as long as what? You're getting into the word. Getting into the word. This is why we have emphasized for years, and I'm not exaggerating, for years, that you need to be reading the Bible every day. And if you miss a day, you come back and get back at it. And don't let it lag and don't let it slip where you're not reading Scripture for weeks at a time. Being busy is a great excuse, but it's not a good excuse. Because we're all going to be busy. But we have to understand the importance of what the Word is doing. The Word is teaching us. The Word is reminding us. And frankly, if we are reading the Word, we're going to be affirmed. The Holy Spirit affirms you. Affirms you when you're given that effort. Always remember that. Never forget that. Don't ever Ever forget that? Yes. Yes. Even if you have, that's that's why we have the two-year plan. The two-year plan allows you to, at the very least, now, and understand something, it's the very least. Read a passage from Old Testament, a small passage from New Testament, a psalm and a proverb, at the very least. Now, there's no law that says that's all you have to read. That's the starting point. But at least you're reading something. You're reading something. And that should hunger you and give you a desire. Oh, now, understand, this is about the building relationship, isn't it? So the more you learn about someone and love them, guess what you do? You devote time to it. So now you're going to find yourself reading more and more. Still do your daily reading. Read our daily bread. Our daily bread kindly points out what? Passages within that passage, within that, that segment to go and look at. That's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to drive you right back to Scripture. Yes. I have learned through the years here, through the plan, and everything, how much I need the Scripture. Yeah. Um, I have my best quiet time, my best talk time, before I go to bed. I do quiet still. And mm-hmm. I did call, I'm always saying before, sometimes I'm tired and don't want to. Right. Amen. Amen. There's, there's reading and there's reading with purpose. Right. And when I used to read, I would just read. But he taught me to ask three questions when I read. The first one is, God, show me what the scripture is teaching of you. Mm-hmm. The second one is, show me the lesson or the principle 
that as teaching. Mm -hmm. And the, the third thing is, how do I take that principle and apply it? And the reason why I say that, mm -hmm. now when I'm reading, I'm not just reading, I'm actually looking and going, what do I see about you? Exactly. What lesson are you teaching me? Exactly. You have to humble yourself and know to allow the scriptures to teach you. That's a, that's a discipline. That's something you have to learn. All right, we are, we're out of time. So what I'm going to do is stop here, but I want you to think about this. Has your heart burned within you because of God's presence and word? Notice about the heart burning within you. That's the key here. The Word has to have that effect on you in order for you to continue to grow in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The next time you feel that soul excitement or like you may burst from what you're learning from Scripture, consider that this kind of heartburn indicates God is with you. He is trying to teach you. God is with you. He was teaching them. Those, the men were being taught on the road even though they didn't know who was teaching them. How is that different from us? We're still learning about this man, Jesus Christ. This Lord, Jesus Christ. We're learning all aspects about him. How can he be half man, or probably fully God and fully human at the same time? Spirit has to speak to you about that. He's still teaching us. Amen? He is with us. But we want you to see that even though we can't physically see him, we know he is present because of his promises in the word through the spirit. Amen. Father, thank you for this time that you've given us. Thank you for giving us the ability to recognize your presence. We thank you for this lesson on the road to Emmaus. How you taught the scriptures. And yet... You weren't recognized. And these two disciples had full knowledge of who you were, but yet they still needed to learn more. Lord, help them be like us that have that desire. Help us to see what they saw. Help us to gain understanding for what they experienced. Lord, our hearts want to burn for you. We thank you for the reminders. We thank you for the encouragement. We thank you for the ability to quiet our hearts and allow you to speak to us. We pray now for the upcoming message and the speaker. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. We'll pick up next time. Don't forget. <laughs>